This will be our first part on, on this series. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And I want to stop right there for, for just a moment. You know, since our church started, I'm going to be very honest with y'all this morning. Since our church first started in June of 17, <clears throat> I was thinking, you know, I'm going to have to preach on, not I'm going to have to, I felt like I was going to preach eventually, and every pastor should, on tithing and giving and so forth, and our faithfulness to the Lord in our financial giving. And I just never, uh, I knew I was going to at some point. And it's, it's that time now that I think the Lord would have me to do it. And I've never, uh, you know well enough, we've never harped a whole lot on giving. We don't make a lot of fanfare about uh, begging people to give or pressuring people to give or anything like that. But, but I would also be negligent to not preach on the tithing and offering as it's taught in the Bible and also the goodness of God when we do that. And y'all, we've heard some wonderful testimonies that were kind of un unplanned, I guess you would say, when Buck and Rachel shared in Sunday school, and they talked about, how many of you remember that, what they shared, about how when they really committed everything to the Lord personally in their own lives, and then they honored the Lord with their giving, God got them out of debt. They were in serious debt, and what was it, within six months or something, they're debt-free and had money to spare. How, they, how it happened, they couldn't say. D and I could testify of the same thing. And it would be out of balance if every Sunday we spent half our time talking about money. Okay? But also be out of balance if we didn't talk about it because the Bible speaks more about money in the New Testament, Jesus did, than he spoke about heaven or hell. Because it's important, because it represents where our heart is a lot of times with the Lord. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's not what today's sermon is. And to be honest with you today, I don't believe we're even going to actually get into anything specific about tithing and offering. What we're going to do today is look about the goodness of God and that He's a provider. And we don't have to be afraid to give to God because He's our provider. And so the Bible says, and I'm just going to read it quickly. We just read that scripture, that's that in Philippians 4.19, you know, memorize it if you have it. It's a wonderful passage. That's going to be our key uh, to this, this uh, sermon today. But one of God's names is Jehovah Jireh. And it mean, that name literally, literally means the Lord will provide. We know that God reveals himself to men by his uh, by his name. So that's one of the ways he reveals himself. And we start reading through the Bible, and as we go, we start seeing, for example, and I'll just read this. In Genesis chapter 22, God had called Abraham after all these years of not having a son and promising him a son and a nation and so forth of descendants. He blessed him with a promised child, Isaac. And, and then when Isaac gets to a certain age, God requires something almost unthinkable of the man to offer his son as a burnt sacrifice to the Lord. That means he's going to have to die. And so he, he's obedient. He's, Abraham brings his son, puts the wood on his back. It's a type or a shadow of Christ in many ways and his coming 
Um, and so he's carrying the wood for the burnt sacrifice. And Abraham tells his servants, you wait here. I and the lad will return. It tells us in the book of Hebrews to give us a little more insight into that, that, that Abraham had faith. He offered it up, son up to the Lord by faith, knowing that God could raise him from the dead. It's an amazing thing. It really is. He did as good raise him from the dead, even though he didn't literally die. He was as good as dead because had uh, reckoned and you know committed to offer him to the Lord. And so anyway, he goes and he offers him there and he's about to he's got him tied up and he's about to bring the knife down on the on his son on the altar to offer him to the Lord as God required. And Abraham lifted up and the Lord stopped him and said, Abraham, Abraham. Don't lay any, your hand on the sun now that I, I know that you fear me. Now that I know that I now I know that you love me. And it says, and Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, because something had to be offered. Amen. There was an altar, and it had to be offered to God. And behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And I would think that that's something that would be pretty unusual. I'm not saying it could never happen, but it did happen. It happened right at this moment because God caused it to happen. A ram caught in a bush by his horn, okay, and couldn't get out. And it was right there. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh. It's the first time that name is used. The first time that that characteristic or trait of God is revealed by one of his names. Certainly it provided for people before then. But he revealed himself by that name. And God called his name Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. And I said that that phrase or that name means the Lord will provide. He provided a ram for a sacrifice instead of Isaac. He provided the Lamb of God that was offered on the cross 2,000 years ago for the sins of the whole world. That's the greatest provision that a man has ever needed and that God has ever provided. He provided atonement, forgiveness of sins, the gift of eternal life through all that will, for all that will believe in Jesus. Greatest provision. So in this sermon, I want you to think, we're not thinking about tithing and offering. We're thinking about God's, God being our provider. The provision of God, the absolute, complete fullness of all that goes with that. It's really an amazing thing. He will always provide for His own. And He has linked that, name, that truth to His very name, Jehovah Jireh. I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going to read a passage here. In Elijah's day, 1 Kings chapter 17 Ahab was the king. Jezebel was the queen. Israel was far from God, following after Baal and all the Baal worship. But Elijah was not. He was a man of God who walked with the Lord. And then he had prayed at the leading and the prompting of the Lord. Elijah had prayed that it wouldn't rain, right? According to my word. And so what comes with no rain is going to come a famine, drought and famine and so forth. So the nation of Israel and all Samaria, all that area is, is uh, having experience in this drought. And Elijah the Tishbite, 
who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Alright, so now, that's the, that's the prophecy, that's the judgment, so to speak, that God's speaking. He's speaking through his prophet Elijah. He speaks it to the king, who was wicked and far from God. And now God's speaking to him, Elijah personally. And he says, The word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. So here's the Jordan River. There's a little brook coming off of it, or into it. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went out and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belonged to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. God provided for his man in the midst of this famine. I want you to see it. Uh, he provided for him. The Bible says that uh, he commanded the ravens to bring him food in the evening and the morning. That You just don't see that as a normal type of thing. To be sitting out there by the brook, he's got enough water to drink in the middle of a famine. Famine, excuse me, and he's got enough food to eat because these ravens from the Lord, he commanded them. God commanded ravens to take care of his prophet out there. And then when the brook dried up, maybe Elijah was wondering what to do next, but he probably didn't have much time to worry about it or wonder about it because the word of the Lord came to him again and said, Now arise and go to Zarephath. I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. And so he's just leading, he's being led by the Lord. And as he's being led by the Lord, when other people are struggling and scrounging and worrying and fretting, can't sleep at night and wondering how they're going to provide and, and what they're going to do to eat or drink and so forth, he's being led by the Lord in the midst of this. A widow woman, ravens. I mean, these are not big, mighty, powerful things. It's not like he stepped into a cave and it was filled with, you know, all this abundant storehouse. It was ravens and a brook in the wilderness. And then it was a widow woman. And he actually was sustained there with the widow woman until the drought was over. But he commanded that. And I will say this, when, when you or I belong to God, and I'm talking about through the new birth, through salvation, that's in Jesus Christ, we belong to Him, right? That we, at that moment, are, we are God's responsibility. You understand what I'm saying? Parents have children. Those children are your responsibility to take care of them. Every need that they have. And when we are God's, we belong to God. We are His responsibility. That man, that woman, that young person. And that's not being presumptuous. That's not being arrogant. It's simply saying God takes that responsibility and we need to know He's going to uphold that responsibility. I belong to you, Lord. You got to take care of me. He'll take care of me. I commanded Elijah what to do, and Elijah needed to obey. He had to hear the voice of the Lord. 
He had to live that life separated unto God to where he could hear him when his father spoke. But God absolutely provided for him all through uh, the famine and all through his life. He is our father and it is his responsibility and pleasure to provide in, for his children and to bless us. And I just want to bring some things to your mind. We're talking about God being our provider and all of our sustenance and everything we have need of, everything, whatever realm you can think of, emotional, spiritual, physical, God is our provider. He provided a helpmate for Adam way back in the book of Genesis and creation in the garden when he says it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helpmate for him. And he provided a wife for him. He provided clothing as a covering for Adam and Eve when they sinned. And they were naked and they were ashamed and they knew that they were naked. And they were trying their best to cover themselves with fig leaves. He, he killed an animal and, and, and shed blood for them and made a covering for their sin through the animal skins. He provided an ark for Noah and his family in the midst of a worldwide flood to where his family would be saved. Now he used Noah and his sons to build it, but he provided it for them. And it worked and it floated and it sustained them through the whole flood and until the waters receded, until it was time to come off of the ark. It worked. What God provided was enough. He provided a son for Abraham and Sarah in their old age to fulfill the promise of through you, there's going to be the descendants like the, the sand that's on the seashore. He provided a coin in a fish's mouth to pay taxes for Peter and Jesus in one town where they were required to pay taxes. He provided strength for Samson to avenge himself on his enemies at the end of his life when he died in that temple. He provided uh, peace and prosperity in the days of Solomon, the king, where he didn't have any fighting going on like his father David had. It was peace all through his days. He provided wisdom for Solomon because he was young and didn't know how to be a king and to judge the people rightly. He, the Bible says he has provided and providing mansions for his saints in glory in John chapter 14. He, pro, he has provided boldness to his people in the face of opposition like we talked about in the Sunday school uh, through the baptism of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. He has provided healing and deliverance for those that are sick or tormented or bound by the devil. He has provided eternal life for all who trust in Jesus and give their life to Him. He's provided a way for men to approach His throne. He has provided an advocate and a mediator to represent men before a holy God in heaven. He has provided His Word to light our paths as we walk through this life. He's provided the Comforter to comfort our hearts as we go through life. He's provided the Teacher, the Spirit of Truth to teach us and give us understanding of spiritual things. He's provided a friend, a man who sticks closer than a brother. He's provided a body for himself to be offered up for sin in his son, Jesus. He is, he is our provider. He provides all that we need and he purchased his church with his own blood. And so that means when you purchase something that it, it belongs to you. So you and I are saved. We're going to heaven. We have the gift of eternal life. But in all that same picture of everything in our relationship with God, we belong to Him. I gladly belong to Him. You understand what I'm saying? He is my Lord. 
and my Savior and my friend. And he paid the ultimate price, the blood of Jesus for us all on the cross. And so we belong to him. And since we belong to him as his children and joint heirs with Jesus, he is he will always faithfully provide for us. He's always going to take care of his own. And before we start talking in the upcoming weeks about giving and and tithing, we need to know we don't have to be afraid to give anything to God. And I'm not just talking about finances, time to give your life to the Lord, to give your life to ministry, if that's what God's called you to, to give your life for people that are never going to appreciate you back ever to give of yourself, to give of your time, to give of your effort, to give of your energy, to give of all your worldly possessions and finances. We don't have to be afraid to give whatever God requires of us because we are his responsibility and he's going to take care of us always, always and in everything. And Buck and Rachel gave that wonderful testimony. I heard uh, Stacy and Eric were at our house uh, not too long ago, and I remember them just sharing that as well, uh, how the Lord's always provided. I know that others have similar testimony. I just These are some that I've heard. And Dee and I could say the same thing, y'all. We could say the same thing. It has nothing to do with us being perfect, us being more godly than anyone else. It has everything to do with stepping out by faith to see, to have the faith to obey God in that area, and then to see and return the faithfulness of God. And it is, He is faithful to the man, to the T, to the person in all generations and all ages. He's faithful. And I just want to, uh, we don't have to worry about how we're going to make it. How we're going to make it. If I give or if, you know, anything like that doesn't have to enter into our minds. He doesn't want us to fret ourselves over things like that. He wants us to trust Him to be our provider. The Bible says, and I quote it all the time, Romans 8, He that spared not His own Son, but offered Him up for us all, how shall He not also with Him freely give us all things? Look at it this way. If He gave His best right off the bat, Jesus, His only beloved Son, He gave Him. He died for us. For sinful men that didn't know Him, didn't love Him, many would never come to know Him and love Him. He gave Christ for us all. You think then he's going to withhold some bread or a little water or enough money to pay the electric bill? You understand my point? If he's going to give Christ, if he spared not his own son, that's the value of all values. Okay? Is he not then going to give us, freely give us all things? He is. He's going to. He's linked that with his name, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. This is the Lord's... uh, Speaking about Israel in the wilderness, I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes are not waxed old upon you and your shoe is not waxing old upon your foot. What is he saying? I took care of you for 40 years of rebellious people that couldn't enter in the promised land that first generation, but he still took care of them. Their clothes didn't wear out. How often do you have to buy new clothes? How often do you have to buy new shoes? For sure. Okay, they wear out, don't they? In the desert, in the, out in the wilderness, your shoes didn't wax old upon your feet for 40 years. And your clothes didn't wear out for 40 years. Behold, I smote the rock. He smote the rock, and the waters gushed out, and the streams overflowed. And he gave bread also. 
And it says, He commanded the clouds from above and opened up the doors of heaven and rained down manna upon them. And, and we just see that God's provision for His people, those people were God's responsibility, right? They weren't Moses' responsibility. Moses was God's point man. Moses was God's representative. In a lot of ways, he could represent the Lord as well. Being at the right hand of the Father. I mean, being an intercessor for, for the people and going between God and man. And meeting with the Lord and hearing from the Lord and speaking to the people and interceding when God wanted to destroy the people. But it was really God's responsibility to take care of them. And he did. And he always will. And when it says that my God shall supply all your needs, that's how we open this morning, right? My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Supply means to cram full like a net. It's literally when you look it up in the Greek. So think about this. This is what God's going to do. He's going to supply our needs to cram like a net. It means what fills Full, fullness, furnished to satisfy. This is what the Lord is going to do. And when he told Peter, cast your net on this side of the boat, we know the story. And they're right offshore. Peter said, we've been fishing all night and hadn't caught, any, caught anything, but I'll do it because you told me to do it, God, at your word. He cast the net in on this side of the boat. When he had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned one to and beckoned to their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. What is just a little snapshot is all it is. It was a huge miracle, but in one sense, that was a lot. 2,000 years ago, a couple little fishermen over there in Israel, you know. But it wasn't because it's here for us to read about in Luke that when we obey the Lord, He's going to provide. His nets were crammed full. His nets began to break. Jane, uh, Peter and, and Andrew say to John and James, come help us. And they filled both their fishing boats up and the boats began to sink because they had so many fish on top. Now I've had some good fishing trips, but not one that sank the boat. Amen, praise God. But the point is, that's what that word means when, when Paul says, my God shall supply what fills, what satisfies to cram full like a net? Not a few little crumbs here and there. Okay? Now he says, my God, and there's real certainties in this. There's no ambiguities in this. My God shall, not maybe, my God shall supply all of your needs. My God shall supply all your needs. It's very clear. It, according to his riches in glory. Now notice that he does say here, your need in verse Philippians 4.19. It does not mean every whim and will of man. He's not a genie in the bottle. We can ask for something evil. We can ask for something in excess. We can ask for something ungodly. We can ask for something selfishly. And God's just bam, bam, bam. It's there at the front door when you wake up in the morning. That is not what he said. That's not what he did for Elijah. That's not what he did for Peter in, in, the, in the boat. The point is, my need. The, the word need means a requirement, a demand, a lack. What you're lacking, what you require. Not necessarily every whim. And, and it's fitting that it's that way, isn't it? 
It's fitting because He's God and I'm not God. And so it's fitting that God would determine what is needed in my life. Now, He doesn't just meet what we would call bare needs. He blesses us above that. But it's still, He's supplying our need, what He sees as lacking. What He knows will fill or satisfy. It's not everything that we would want. I say all the time, you wouldn't give a two-year-old who wants a real 12-gauge shotgun loaded with real shells. Even if he whines and cries about it, you're not going to give it to him. Because as a parent, you say, this is not healthy for my child. Not about to give him that, right? And God knows what's needed. And so, but we can, we can rightly pray to God and then trust God for my needs that He's going to provide for me. Sometimes you need rest. He'll give you rest. Sometimes you need a vacation to get away for a little while. He'll provide that. You say, well, that's not really a need to go to the beach or whatever. Sometimes it is. And sometimes God knows it. He knows if it is. And He provides that for you to do those things. And so uh, we're not asking presumptuously, but we can say like the Lord taught His disciples to pray, give us this day our daily bread. That's not presumptuous. That's the way Jesus taught them to pray. Who are they praying to? God, provide for me daily bread. Provide for me what I need. Most of us don't worry about daily bread because we have more than enough, right? And more than enough money in our checking account and bank account to go get the, the bread that we need. But it's, it's, a, it's a fact that we call upon Him and then trust Him. Now I want to say this. Will God say it and not do it? It's a rhetorical question, but of course, will God say, for example, I am your provider, I'll, God, I'll provide all your needs according to my riches and glory, and then not do that? No, he's not going to. He's not going to. Uh, he's going to be true to his word. I'm your provider. For example, will the Lord say, I'm the savior of the world. He that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Will he say that? And then when somebody comes to him by faith, then not receive them and save them. Absolutely. Everybody that comes to faith by Jesus, to Jesus by faith in him, he's going to receive and save and give the gift of eternal life. Will he, Jehovah Shaphat, that's another one of his names, the Lord, the righteous judge. Will he say that righteousness and truth are the habitation of his throne? And then will he not judge your life? and things concerning your life rightly and justly and correctly. He will. Absolutely He will. This is the point. He, he's going to do what's right. Jeho will Jehovah Jireh not provide all the needs of all of His people? He will. He will. He wants us to trust Him. He wants us to look to Him for that and for those provisions. He wants us to come to Him when we have needs. Okay, and then to thank him and to praise him and to trust him. Think about this. Any of you that are parents, would you be happy if you, let's say you had a smaller child and you looked out the window and you saw him uh, scrounging through a dumpster to try to find something to eat. You, you would say, honey, come to, come to me for that. You understand what I mean? Come to me for that. I'm your parent. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to take care of you. And, and that's a crazy example. But a lot of times we go to other sources that are nothing but dumpsters for our needs to be met rather than coming to the Lord by faith. If you need joy, 
if you need companionship, if you need uh, whatever peace, if you need help, you know, healing, provision financially, whatever it may be, we run to a lot of different places. And then maybe sometimes we've exhausted those things. We'll come to the Lord, and and uh, you know, and see if he'll he'll meet our needs. The Bible says the prodigal son, when he came to himself, he said, "How many hired servants of my father have bread and enough, and I and to spare, and I perish with hunger." I will arise and go to my Father. He came to Himself. Amen? We need to come to ourselves sometimes. We're sitting there starving maybe spiritually. And we're staying in a church that doesn't feed us. We're starving in some way uh, over here. And we won't come to the Lord. Come to yourself and say, He's my provider. He is. I'm going to do what He says. I'm coming to the Lord. I will arise and go to my Father. There's not only... Even my hired servants in my Father's house have enough food and, and to spare. They got leftover. I'm his son. You know, I will arise and go to my father. And the Lord wants us to do that, y'all. We never lack anything. We come to the Lord. We're never going to lack. I, I want to just read this. I'm, if you're taking notes, I'm reading from 1 Samuel chapter 30. David had been out on a military campaign. He wasn't king at this time. And when he, when he came back, with his men, all the Amalekites had carried away all his stuff. Like while he was gone, some, some Amalekites invaded his town, took away their wives, their children, all their stuff, all their cattle. So they come back home with a band of weary soldiers and they found everything's been taken. And it says, and the Lord, and the Lord sent him out. God, David says, shall I go after him? And David says, you go after him and you're going to recover all. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them. Now, I was thinking about these words, nothing lacking to them. Neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoiled nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. And I'm just thinking about how completely the Lord does things. Whether it's recovering something like that, or are satisfying or filling a requirement or filling a need. He doesn't do things partway and halfway. He does things all the way. And here's one of, uh, a wonderful scripture. When Jesus sent uh, his disciples out and they came back, you know, the first little trial run, he sent out the 70 and they came back. And he said unto them, when I sent you with, without purse and without script, that's money and shoes, lacked ye anything? And they said nothing. Maybe we ought to highlight that in our Bible. When I sent you out, did you lack anything? You lack, did you lack any money when I sent you out? I said, told you to go without any money. I told you not to bring two coats. I told you to go out and just, just go and do what I've called you to do. When they came back, he said, when, when you were out there and I had sent you out there, did you lack anything? You know what their answer was? One word, Nothing. We didn't like anything. And I want that to hit home in my heart and in my life. And I would say this to you. Do you lack anything when God calls you to do something and you do it? Do you lack anything? If He wakes you up in the middle of the night to pray and you pray, are you, do you lack sleep? Or can He refresh you? And refresh, you understand what I'm saying? If He sends you to take some money and give it to somebody who's hurting right now and needs some money, and you give it. Do you lack anything? 
Any real need that you had, do you lack? We don't lack anything. When He sends us out to do something, whether it's boldness that we need, do we lack it? If He sends us to the Foxy's neighborhood to go witness to the people over there, do we lack anything when He has sent us out? We don't. Sometimes we've done the little Foxy's outreach and we forgot the cookies. You know, oh, we've got, but we don't lack anything. The Bible study's still wonderful. They're still glad we came. We're glad we came. God did what He wanted to do. It's just amazing. We don't lack anything when He sends us out or sends us to live this life a certain way. Live this life the way I told you to live it. Live this way the way the, live your life the way the Bible says to live it and see if you lack anything. You're not going to lack anything. It's an amazing thing. What a God. What a wonderful God we serve. God called Abraham from the land of his nativity or that he was familiar with to go to a place that he didn't know and there to make a great nation of him. That meant that Abraham and all that he needed on this journey and the whole rest of his life, that he was God's responsibility. God would have to send the promised child, right? They couldn't make the child come. They tried that with Hagar and they failed miserably in, in fulfilling God's plan. He was God's responsibility. All the fulfillment of the prophecy, all the way through Jesus being born, through that line, that lineage of Abraham, years later, all of it God had to fulfill. It was God's responsibility because God said, Abraham, you do what I tell you to do and I will do such and such. It's now he becomes God's responsibility. He's doing what God wants him to do. And all through the way, God has to take care of him. God doesn't mind. Okay, it's not a bother to him, but he wants to teach us. There's a learning for every believer. I can't just go on Abraham's experience. I can glean from that and hold it as a biblical truth. But for me to know he's a provider, I need to trust him and step out. Me personally and see him provide. You understand what I'm saying? And so Abraham was God's responsibility. God called God called Moses to lead his people out of Egypt and into a promised land and across the wilderness. Israel and Moses, a lot of people say one and a half million people probably, they were God's responsibility. How do you feed that many people in a wilderness? How do you give them water to drink? How do you protect them out there? God did it for 40 years. We talked about at the beginning, they were God's responsibility. God called Noah to build the ark, and God did it, and Noah did it. God, Noah was God's responsibility. God called Joseph and Mary to be the earthly parents to raise Jesus. They didn't know how to raise the Son of God. But He told them to flee to Egypt because Herod wants to kill the child. Then He told them when to come back. And then He warned them, don't go back to your same hometown. Go over here. He, he led them. He called them to be the parents of Jesus in an earthly sense. They were His responsibility. And we need to know that uh, God called 120 people to tarry in the upper room because He was going to do them with power from on high. That 120, they were God's responsibility. He had to give that promise that He promised them. They were not ready before then to go out and take the world for Jesus. They were ready after that. That was a provision of God. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. The early church was God's responsibility. Amen. And he sent those disciples out. Uh, he sent the disciples out. Uh, you know, the first time, as I said, provide, he said, provide neither script nor gold, 
nor silver or brass in your purses for your journey, neither two coats nor shoes nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his hire. He provided. Y'all, he's called us to be, to live this life that he's called us to live for him, for God. This is not my life to do it as I choose. It's the life that God saved me to be and to live. And the same for you. We're just passing through. We are strangers and pilgrims on this earth. We're passing through. And however long we're here, I need to be in God's will. I need to be obedient to Him and walk with Him. And then in so doing, I'm going to have all the provision of God in that. That includes joy and peace and happiness and, and, t- and financial needs and material blessings and a sense of fulfillment in our lives and all that. The Lord called His disciples to go out and He said, when you go, preach this gospel and cast out devils and heal the sick and raise the dead. He's telling human beings like you and me, go do these things. And when they went out, they came back and they had done those things. They said, we cast out devils. Even the devils are subject to us in your name. Why? Because He provided that for them. That was a provision of God. He provided that because He called them to that. They, they were God's responsibility. And we can rest in that. The Lord has called us in His church. And I'll be bringing this to a close. He's, he's called us as His church to, to go into all the world and to preach this gospel with authority. And He says these signs will follow not just the 12 disciples or the apostles or the church in the book of Acts. These signs will follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up servants. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He says, lo, I'm with you. Even until the ends of the world, I'm with you. Go in my name. And as we go, he's with us. He is the provision. He himself, Jehovah Jireh, is the provision. Not just for me to pay the bills. Okay. But to live this life he's called me to live. And to do the things He's called me to do. You're not under-equipped. If you're saved and you're trusting God and you're sent on an errand, a mission, a call from the Lord, whatever it is, and you're prayed up and you're going out, you're not under-equipped. Know that. Know that. You had Peter and John. The Bible says that those that were interrogating them... Threatening them, perceived they were ignorant and unlearned. They probably had nothing. They probably had their fishermen's clothes on. That's all they had. And they were standing before this religious council of unbelievers being threatened, but they took not, but seeing the, the lame man that was healed standing with them, it says that the religious could say nothing against it. Peter and John were provided for the power to, to raise the lame man, okay? And to preach this gospel and people get saved. They were rich. They were rich in faith. They were provided for. And the others around them had a lot more, probably materially, where we were uh, poor, you know, and, and destitute of anything. We just have to understand that we are God's responsibility. He's called you and me to love our neighbor as ourselves. To love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind. He said, well, I can't do that. Who can do that? Who can love their neighbor as themselves? A believer can because, and only because, Christ lives in them. He, he makes up for that. He is the one that actually does that. 
we start learning that. He is the provision for that. Christ in me, the hope of glory, is the way that I can love God like I'm supposed to and love my neighbor as myself and give sacrificially of myself and prefer and esteem others before myself. There's nothing in my fleshly nature that would do that or could possibly do that. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because He is my provider. He is my provision. He's going to always provide. He's not worried that he won't be able to do it. If he calls you to do something that's way out of your league, that's what he does call us to do. Things that are way out of our league, so to speak. Get so-and-so to do this, not me. Right? Isn't that what Moses said? Get Aaron, my brother. He speaks well. He could be a speaker. He could talk to the people intelligently and eloquently. Get, get Aaron to do it. And the Lord says, who made your tongue? Moses. Like, in other words, be quiet. Listen to what I'm telling you. Who made you tongue, Moses? I'm going to use you to do it. I'll send Aaron with you if that comfort. He's like your safety blanket. He did send Aaron with him, and it was good to have another man with him of a like mind. But God used Moses, amen, to do that. <clears throat> He's always going to provide. He's not at a loss or worried or concerned. How is he going to do it? How am I going to help? The college students stand strong for Jesus in the midst of all this ungodliness attacking their faith on the college campuses. Guess what? Daniel went through it in Babylon. Apart from the Lord, it would be too much. You couldn't. We wouldn't last a week. But with the Lord, He is our provision. But we have to lean upon Him. We have to call upon Him. We need to be filled with the Spirit. I need to stay prayed up. I need to be hearing His voice. When He talks to me, sometimes He says, be quiet. Sometimes He says, open up your mouth and speak my word with boldness. We need to hear Him and walk with Him. But He's not at a loss of, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? He's always going to provide for us. My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory. And I just wrote this down. He will meet every need of every one of His people in every situation for all time. He'll meet every need of every one of His people in every situation for all times. He's our provider. And I want to close with this, this Scripture. I know it might... Uh, like I said, we didn't even get into tithing or offering or anything like that, but I wanted to establish this that the Lord wanted us to hear this this morning. And in Psalm 37, we know the Scripture... 25 and 26, I have been young, David said, and now am old. Yet I have never not seen the righteous forsaken, nor God's seed begging bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Isn't that a wonderful scripture? We know it. We know the scripture. We've heard it before. But he says, I've been, I've been young, now I'm old. He's looking at his whole life. Something he's never seen before. You know what he's never seen? I've never seen the righteous forsaken by God. Where a righteous man knew God, walked with God, lived with God. Not perfect, but it was a righteous man. Okay? That walked with the Lord in fear and trusting God. And made God his God. Okay? Never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. I'll be honest with you sometimes. This is not at all a mockery. But I know that many, many, many times in my life when I've witnessed to people on the streets or I've had people come to me off the streets asking for a little money. You know, you know, we've all had that happen. And, and when you're out more out, you, you're, it happens more. 
you know. But people will say, well, and I'll say, well, do you know the Lord? Can I talk to you? I, say, I always would tell people, I'll say, just to put your mind at ease, let's say they need money or they need money for a meal or I don't know if I believe 90% of what they're telling me anyway. I need money for my diabetes medicine or whatever. Uh, and I know that they're just probably not even being sincere. But I'll tell them a lot of times, just to put your mind at ease right off the bat, I'm going to help you, okay? I'm going to give you some money, but I want you to do something for me. What's that? I want you to listen to me. I want to talk to you about Jesus for a minute. So don't have to beg me for money or anything like that. I'm going to give you what I can give you, what I feel God would have me to give you. But I want you to listen. Has anybody ever told you about Jesus? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I got back, you know, they, they, they're uh, strung out on drugs. Their breath smells like alcohol. Now, I'm not judging them, okay? But they'll say, oh, I'm a Christian. I got baptized for this. I, you know, I, I, my daddy was a preacher and everything else. And I'll say, well, you know what? I'm going to share the gospel with you anyway because I'm looking at your life. I didn't come to you for money. You came to me for money, right? Right? Okay? And I'll say, well, the Bible says I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor God's seed begging bread. And you're telling me that you're, you're a Christian and you know Jesus. Well, I'm telling you, if you would live for Jesus, if you really know Him and He would seek first His kingdom, you wouldn't be living like this. I'm going to give you some money and in a few minutes or a day, whatever, it's going to be gone. And it'll be, you'll be right back like this. But God didn't create you to live this way and you say you belong to Him. But I've never said, David said, the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging bread. If you would live for Him, He would provide for you. I don't know how. It's not my responsibility to tell you how. Well, I've been out of work, I hurt my back, and I'm laid off. I'm not making fun of those things. I'm simply saying, David said, the Word of God. I've never seen his seed, for his, the righteous forsaken, or his seed begging bread to live off of. We need to be compassionate and give. They're probably not really saved. Probably. I don't know, that's between them and the Lord. But you understand the point of that. If I'm going to give them some money, I'm going to give them what's going to provide for them a relationship with Jesus. Because if they'll know Christ, this will be the last time they ever ask anybody for a dime. You understand my point? Because even Christians, when we have fallen hard times, the body of Christ comes and helps. In other words, that's the Lord providing for them. You understand my point? That, that they're, take, they're not begging God's providing for them and taking care of it like a family would take care of one's lacking and something someone else in the body supplies. But this is different when they're going around looking like they look, acting like they like, you know, living with somebody that they're not married to, living out of their car. I know people have hard times. I'm not making fun at all. Please understand. I'm saying if they would know Jesus, they wouldn't live that way anymore because they would be his responsibility. He would take care of them. And maybe he's let them hit rock bottom so I could share the gospel with them. Or ten more people after me might share the gospel. It's usually Christians that are going to stop and help out anyway and hand them a track or something. But I just wanted to, to close with that, y'all. And I just know that this is, was the Lord, His Word for us today and for our church. And before we, we get into more in the next two weeks, talking about our giving and our faithfulness in giving and so forth, that we understand we're not just commanded to do something arbitrarily by the Lord. He is our provider. 
He's always going to provide for us. Y'all stand with me. Can we just thank Him this morning? Worship. Come to the altars. Take a little time. And let, let God deal with you with, with whatever He's dealing with you about. But let's be... Uh, let's thank the Lord. I think more than anything, we'll just trust Him. Or, or say, Lord, forgive me because I've, I've not trusted You to provide. I spend most of my time worrying. I spend most of my time fretting. It may not even be finances. It may be something totally, a, a, a spouse for my life. Uh, what, whatever. You know, friends. You, you might be worried about a lot of things. And yet, God's our provider. He's going to supply all of our need according to His riches and glory. So Father, we just come before You this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. And we trust You, God, to be just what You said in Your Word, our provider.